Welcome to 501 Crossroads, your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, the Executive Director of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and their missions. Uh, and we have my co-host, Natalie Jablonski, the Nonprofit Ninja. Yep, specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talent, and resources to achieve organizational greatness. Hey, Marjorie. Hey. How are you? Good. It's great to have a full episode. We're excited to be yep. here, and we're talking about a great topic. We are. So today we're going to be talking about supervising nonprofit employees, and whether that's the top manager or the line supervisor, there's a lot of people who oversee people, and a lot that those people in nonprofits need to know. So, and Annalie, between us, we have... Um, several years. Many, many several years. years. Let's just of, not date ourselves. Yeah. Supervising, <laughs> you know, employees and volunteers. So I think we have a few things we can talk about. Yeah. Um, so to, we're going to assume today that we've already got the team on board. We've we've hired people. We've trained them. We've done all of those things. We don't have to worry about hiring right now. We don't have to maybe worry about firing right now. Um, yeah, let's, let's pretend that because we could do a whole show on just those that's two a, That's a whole other HR nightmare so. that we can put some in some other basket, right, yeah. at another time. <laughs> so then there's so much to talk about just when you were talking about su- supervision of employees and managing employees because I hear these words used kind of interchangeably and mm-hmm. there is really a distinct difference. There's a big distinct difference. A lot of times your supervisors are maybe lower levels. Um, often you'll see a manager and they'll have supervisors under them. Um, sometimes a supervisor doesn't actually have the authority to, authority to hire and fire. Um, sometimes the supervisor is looking at, you know, what people do they need, and they need that manager approval to do mm-hmm. a lot of things. So, um, so there are some some differences. Right. Um, I always think of management as those people who are thinking more strategically, mm-hmm. more long-term visionary. Yes. Where your supervisor in the operational whirlwind of the day, and they are looking at those immediate actions that. We need to take place in order to make our mission happen at that moment. Exactly. I think you've, you just nailed it. It happens. I'm <laughs> dropping the mic. I can't, actually can't drop the mic. But No, it's attached <laughs> it's to the attached. table. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the big one, compensation and intangible benefits when it comes to nonprofit employees. You know, it's so crazy. So you say the word compensation and instantly people just go, oh, yeah. I don't want to talk about that. No, I don't. It's so uncomfortable. And, no. and how do I do that? And it's yeah. it's just it, I think it's awkward for people no, no matter if they're nonprofit or for profit to talk about compensation and and benefits in general don't you yeah I think it's a big one I mean you know nobody likes to talk about it you know nobody wants to talk about money because it's it's a tacky subject to talk about but at the end of the day we have bills to pay just oh, like yeah. everybody else so exactly. uh, there's some big differences that I think culturally that people need to understand if you're coming from a corporate world to a nonprofit world mm-hmm. and there's a lot of reasons why people are attracted to the work but there's also some expectations that need to come into play with that exactly so you know I think a, well, the one stereotype that we have in nonprofit work and I think we live up to it a lot is that nonprofit salaries are much lower than corporate salaries for similar to same work. Um, I think that's true in a lot of a lot of cases. But not true in others. I've seen it I've seen it uh, ring true in most cases. I agree there's some times where that's not always the case, mm-hmm. but uh, I think there's a lot of uh, exchange yeah. for that and people are like, well, "Why in the world would you go into nonprofit management when you could be making all this money?" quote unquote mm-hmm. over here in for profit. And do you get that question asked to you? I I've Got started to get that question quite a bit, actually, from people go- and going, you know, you could be doing X, Y, Z at these corporations. And I go, well, 
I'm going to tell you right now, I am terrible at selling myself and things that are going to benefit me. Mm-hmm. But man, I can I can tell you all about my organization for days and days and days. I will bore the crap out of you talking about my organization, how much I love it. And I love our mission. Yeah. And I can get behind that mission a lot faster than I can get behind selling widgets. Right. Or even, you know, selling my own personal services. Right. And I think that's it. I think that nonprofit management, you, you have a heart that is outside of just the work that you do. It's who you serve. It's how it's served. It's the whole process. And at some point at the end of the day, yes, you bring home a paycheck just like your counterparts, mm-hmm. but you bring home something so much more. It's that greater sense of accomplishment of whatever you're doing and however you're impacting the community, society that we live in is bigger than ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. And it's that it's not that people who work in corporate management should feel bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's not at all. We need you. Don't don't yeah. leave. You guys can write checks. That's right. Because we need there's yeah. that balance. Right. Yeah. And we'll that's a whole that's a fantastic totally future conversation. Uh, but you have to have that that balance between those people who want to support the mission and those people who want to live the mission. And I think that's the distinguishing difference. Uh, and you know, I also think too that people are scared to ask for what they want in nonprofit. They get mm-hmm. they get nervous because they think, oh well, it's a nonprofit that can't afford a lot, so they come in with these preconceived notions. You are still a person, and you still deserve to be able to be rewarded for your hard work. So Absolutely. I always tell people when you're going in, hey, make sure that you negotiate for what you need mm-hmm. and what you want. Exactly. And um, the worst case scenario is it doesn't work. So you have to ask yourself, do I love the mission more than I love whatever that benefit was, that intangible? Exactly. I think that's important. And actually, it's kind of interesting. You're seeing a lot of a lot of nonprofits kind of going towards not asking what your prior salary was, mm-hmm. I, um, which I think is really nice, yes. paying people for what they're actually worth. The other thing that I think um, nonprofit employee employees have as a maybe a leg up is you can look at an organization's 990 and see what their ED and sometimes a couple other top employees are making. So that can give you an idea of what the organization is paying as far as scale goes. Yeah, it's a good negotiating bargaining chip to be able mm-hmm. to say, is this something that I'm willing to negotiate into or is this mm-hmm. a deal breaker? You know, because we all have that threshold. Mm-hmm. We can't cross past this line in order to be able to have work-life balance the way that we want to have it. Exactly. So what does that line look like and making sure when you're going in that you're not making any extreme sacrifices that would make you unhappy because unhappy nonprofit people are the worst. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, let's not have any of those. (laughs) Now, the big plus about nonprofits is, you know, and this might be a stereotype, too, that we do or do not play into, but a lot of times you hear that nonprofits have really good benefits. Yes, I hear that. And it depends on what you define as really good and Mm -hmm. what you define as a benefit. And I think, again, that goes back to what you want to get out of a career. Mm -hmm. So if you are looking for 401ks and them to buy into it and a retirement plan, Mm -hmm. perhaps that's not a nonprofit. And it depends on the nonprofit. There are some larger nonprofits that do offer some of these Mm -hmm. great pension plans and programs and such. And actually, my nonprofit offers a decent retirement plan uh, see and that's fantastic it's not not a great one not great. you're not retiring Decent. today yeah uh, <laughs> luckily all my staff have several years till retirement well, there so you go be a problem for them <laughs> but you know you do have to figure out exactly what you need out of that plan and then you you move forward towards that mm-hmm. but I, exactly. I think it just kind of depends on again it goes back to basics so people ask me all the time what should i be negotiating what should i be looking for what should I be saying that I need? And my question to you, me, I always ask back is, well, what do you want? And what's your what's your no-go and your threshold and the line you have to be at in order to be able to make that difference? And uh, knowing what that looks like, then you can negotiate appropriately. Exactly. 
you know, the other thing is health insurance benefits. You see a lot of people getting pretty decent health insurance at, at nonprofits, um, even some smaller ones. Which I, I think, think back in the day that was perhaps a stumbling block, but mm -hmm. I do believe that a lot of nonprofits have stepped up their game and yeah. been able to, to reach that and uh, reach out and help. They understand the value of what that brings to the table. Now, the one benefit that I do not see in nonprofits is work-life balance as a go-to. Definitely so a lot more work there. <laughs> I, I think it traditionally nonprofits have been known for their lack of work-life balance. But I do think that with the changes that are coming out from the Department of Labor, with the new Fair Labor Standards Act, uh, making people really hold uh, accountable to their nonprofits, you know, mm -hmm. especially that's who it's going to impact. It's going to impact everybody. But nonprofits alone being able to say, here's the hours that you're able to work in this time period based on, you know, exempt or non-exempt, I think that will really help take us to the next level of being able to offer more work-life balance. And you have to recharge in an area where you are carrying emotionally the mission of your organization, because that can really drain on you. Absolutely. So here's the big question. Yes. Is a low salary an excuse for poor performance? Is it okay for somebody to say, I'm making half of what I could make at a, at a corporate, I should put in half the effort? No. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you why I say that. When someone accepts a position, they accept the position based on the benefits and the expectations. So if you're comparing apples to oranges, even though they're both fruit, that's, mm -hmm. that's an unfair comparison. When you walk into that organization, you should know exactly what that layout looks like. You should have had a great conversation with the executive team and or the board of directors, depending on what you're being hired on for. So you should have good snapshots as to what that's going to be expected. Mm -hmm. And you should have negotiated the salary that you were okay with, or you shouldn't have said yes. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think so. So when you're a supervisor, how do you handle that? I think that's, that's going to be, I think maybe one of the tougher things you find, I think, as a supervisor is knowing that your staff is probably not making the big bucks. Mm -hmm. And how hard do you push them to get that less is, you know, we're always trying to do less with more. Right. Uh, how hard do you push them? And what's the best, what's a good tactic as a supervisor to do that? Yeah, and there's a fine balance there between um, pushing for the best and demanding the best. And yeah. so as a supervisor, you and as a manager, you have to realize that as a supervisor, when you're trying to motivate your team, it's all about making sure that you are walking the walk and talking the talk. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you're expecting your team to uh, show up at a certain time or attend a certain event, then you need to be doing that as well. Uh, for a member of management, I think there's an additional layer between you. So there's also mm -hmm. additional communication that needs to be mm -hmm. taking place to make sure that they understand because what they see and what the reality is can be very different. But as we, you and I both know, that perception can be deception. Oh, big time. But yeah. it still can be the reality for that individual. Mm -hmm. So if you are not attending the event that evening and the reason you're not is because you have something completely different work-related, for example, mm -hmm. But the people are there and they're like, well, Marjorie didn't even show up. I don't even know why we had to come. And obviously, you know, we don't get paid anything and she gets paid all the big bucks. Yeah, I, the these big are bucks. the phrases, <laughs> right, that are thrown around. So it's the overcommunication and overextending and mm -hmm. making sure people realize I'm not going to be at that event in particular because I need to go to this event. So I will be representing us here this evening. Thank yeah. you so much for going here this night. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really the duty of the supervisor to go above and beyond with communication, where mm -hmm. for the uh, supervisor, it's more about making sure you have, hold yourself accountable in front of the, your team. Yeah. What are some good tactics about some good tactics for motivating employees from the supervisor's supervisor point? I, I kind of feel like as a supervisor, part of that big buck salary is actually um, a cookie bonus. 
Like that's the amount of money that you are probably expected to buy cookies with for the rest of the year. Right. I don't know, don't know what you think about that. We always talk like about <laughs> nonprofit and food. There is yeah. a direct correlation. And I think it's just because it serves a basic human need. Mm-hmm. And because as a nonprofit employee, we we live off of human needs. That's why we're that's why we're in the nonprofit role, right? So mm-hmm. we're typically feeding our emotions. Yeah. And with the mission. Mm-hmm. So we need to feed our bodies yes. for the nourishment. And a lot of it's about collaboration and celebration. And we don't do that enough in general, whether mm-hmm. you're in a profit or nonprofit organization. We tend to focus on what we need to accomplish and we take very little time to celebrate. Oh, Celebrating so important. So I think the best piece about motivation is just taking time to celebrate. And that could be with the official cookie, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Oreo or whatever you want to use uh, to whatever works for your group. But also a lot of it is just face-to-face recognition. It's uh, recognition in front of the team. It's finding what motivates them, and that's about knowing your your staff. Mm-hmm. And I know some that if I would recognize them at a staff meeting, they would be mortified and crawl under the table because <laughs> that's just not the way they like it. And instead, that person I'm bringing in and saying, hey, I wanted to tell you I saw what you did, and I thought that was really fantastic. And uh, it's, it's knowing where their motivation comes from. Is it internal? Is it extrinsic? Um, are they at a point where they're still trying to prove themselves to uh, another group, such as um, their parents mm-hmm. or perhaps, you know, their peers? So what's their motivation? And let's figure out how we recognize and thank them. And I can't tell you how many times where someone, a staff member will bring in a member of their family to the office. Remember, they're, oh, yeah. maybe they're meeting them for lunch or yeah. they're, they're going out somewhere and they'll say, oh, I wanted you to meet my fill-in-the-blank mm-hmm. boyfriend or my husband or maybe it's my kid. And I always love to talk to that person about how proud I am of the employee that's there. And thank you so much for raising such a great daughter. And ma'am, mm-hmm. I want to let you know that you, by sharing her with us, we just really appreciate you can tell that she gets these great values. And, and I'm not lying. These are mm-hmm. things that I really think. But now you're saying it to an extrinsic person yeah. that obviously is very important to that person. I think no matter what age it is, I love talking to the parents of my employees mm-hmm. just to say thank you because I think that's one of the kind of neatest things for them to actually say, oh, my gosh, I maybe I did do a good job and somebody else believes it right. too. <laughs> I like to talk to the kids yeah. because I think sometimes it's difficult to understand why mom and dad is not at my soccer game or at the dinner table or taking me to violin lessons or whatever it might be because they're quote at work again. Like mm-hmm. they can't see quite yet the mission connection. Yeah. So it's always great for me to say, wow, do you know how amazing your mom is? And she did this the other night and it was so awesome. And I want to tell you, thank you, because I know sometimes she's not there at the dinner table at five o'clock, but she is helping so many other kids. And I really appreciate you sacrificing that. It helps to put in perspective, no matter what age they are, whether they're six or 16, they all get the fact that other people need help you know and I think that really just uh, helps that make it easier sell for the parent when they do have to miss that important recital or or soccer game so yeah absolutely so now what about one I think one of the big things a supervisor does is setting is helps an employee set performance goals Mm -hmm. Um, I think whether it's you know here are your goals for the year whether it's at that um, time when we are all doing our evaluations and we're writing the goals on the piece of paper that will be put in our drawer for a year <laughs> no Hopefully. we're going to use it marjorie it's an active yeah. document <laughs> hopically at some point we're, we're using that so what are some good strategies for working with an employee to get their get their employer their performance goals for the year or for this moment mm-hmm. down so part of it is just making sure that 
uh, you outline your expectations as a supervisor, no one likes to guess. Mm-hmm. You know, think of the most uncomfortable situation you can and then put a blindfold on somebody and ask them to do it. Oh, so uh, like beatball, blindfold, baseball. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right. Great example. So you're obviously then, you know, you're grasping the dark. You're trying to figure it out. You know, people are watching and that's mm-hmm. uncomfortable. So take off the blindfold and really have that transparency and as, make sure that your expect, the expectations are very clear to mm-hmm. your staff. That's far one. But, you know, part two for me is that you have to make sure that they understand what the organizational goals are and mm-hmm. why. Oh, yeah, get pulling out that strategic plan and really talking about why, as an organization, we set this, these as our goals. Why are we asking you to greet everyone in the hallway whenever you walk through? Is it because I just like to be make everyone happy? <laughs> or are we graded based on feedback that we receive from visitors and that, that grade helps uh, everyone to know what, what level we're at and that level impacts our funding? Mm-hmm. So... You and I, as supervisors, can draw that conclusion and follow that bouncing ball. But sometimes for uh, when we're talking about our supervisors and our supervisors talking to our employees, we really have to make sure that we take the crayon to each and every bouncing ball and, and draw that line so they can see the connection they have, the overall impact. I think that's huge for helping them set those objectives. Oh, yeah. that's. I mean, that, I think that's a big key is answering that why question. Mm-hmm. I think you can get so much more done if you take the time to answer why. Because, you know, otherwise you get people wondering. And I feel like that's a really good, easy way to start doing shortcuts. If mm-hmm. you don't know the why, to so say, well, I don't have to do it this way, really. It could get done faster if I do it, if I cut out this step. And maybe right. that step is the thing that gets us, you know, from point B to point X really a lot faster. I always ask them, too, what are, the, what are four things you want to accomplish in the next four quarters? Mm-hmm. And when you break it down within that time frame, it's a little easier to chunk it out. And then you can hear instantly where their priorities are. Mm-hmm. So if you have a great distance from where your priorities are and where their priorities are, it helps you to at least know where their starting point is mm-hmm. and you can get them there by having the conversation. So I understand that getting a new vending machine in the next four months is important <laughs> uh, to the staff, but let's talk about why that vending machine needs to happen and what's the bigger piece and you can kind of get them t- thinking uh, a little larger because when you're supposed to be in the operational whirlwind, you don't think about <laughs> what's outside the tornado. No. <laughs> so I think that's really helpful to kind of meet them where they're at and then walk them to where they need to be when it comes to setting up performance goals. Yeah. Prioritizing is so important. Um, I think that one of the things that prioritizing like if you don't prioritize or don't prioritize well leads to something that can be a little scary and that's employees working off the clock um some employees calling that volunteering in a nonprofit. we don't know no 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 if you're doing that please stop please stop and see your hr department or your legal department because you're going to actually put your organization in jeopardy so don't please don't do that and why and why because uh you cannot volunteer for a job that you are being paid to do so uh that's the basic really super basic explanation and if you'd like more on that please please see your attorney and they'll be happy to explain it but but yeah you do you you leave your organization open to a lot of risk and you know i'm I'm always amazed you know you hear people like i'll I'll see like maybe facebook posts about this friend of a friend of a friend you know oh i was just fired because i i worked too much at my job you know they 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 said you know i was working off the clock and they didn't want that and so i was fired and i'm thinking yeah you were probably warned a hundred times you know these are it, it it feels weird to me as a manager, as a supervisor, to tell an employee, no, you have to stop working now. <laughs> like, you still have to get all this stuff done, but you have to stop working now. Right. Because I can't afford you I always anymore. Tell, I always tell my team that the first person you have to take care of in a nonprofit setting is you. Mm-hmm. 
because this organization, regardless of which nonprofit it is, is going to absorb your emotions, and mm-hmm. that's draining. Yeah. And if you don't take care of you, then you can't take care of fill in the blank, the mission, the mm-hmm. purpose, the budget, the whatever you know, the widget that you're working on right now that's yeah. impacting the mission. And as hard as it is for you to walk away right now, you need to. Yeah. So there was a quote once in a magazine at night. Uh, I actually cut it out, and I have it in my my jewelry box. And when I put on my my watch in the morning, I see it every morning. And I've had it in my jewelry box for almost 10 years. And it says, you can make any job into a 24-7 job. Live your life. Oh, I like that. And (laughs) I was like, that's... And and when I read the article, I forget what the whole other article was about. But I remember (laughs) that piece, and it was one of those call-out boxes. And I cut it out. And it's to remind myself that... Yes, it's going to be overwhelming today. And yes, you're going to feel like the world's caving in, but that's called nonprofit management. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it w- you will survive and there will be tomorrow. And you just have to be able to remember that you have to keep that balance and you have to live your life yeah. as you're doing it. And uh, your life is not your job. Even though sometimes we feel like it. It's <laughs> very easy to assign those traits to ourselves. <laughs> that's true. That's true. We can enjoy our job. We can love our job. But your life should not be your job. You mm-hmm. need to have a greater purpose to be able to recharge your batteries. Because if you can't recharge, then you can't refocus. Exactly. So once we've got our goals, we've been doing our work for months. You know, how do we, as a first-time supervisor, do you have any really good advice for how do we start evaluating our employees? Because I think for a first-time supervisor especially, that's a really awkward position to be in. Because yeah. a lot of times you're working very closely with these people. You're right. You're very friendly, friendly. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and people have a difficult time separating the difference between being friends and being friendly. That's so hard. It's <laughs> very hard for people. Uh, it's something that, you know, and I think social media mm-hmm. has made it easy to communicate 24-7, yes. which has blurred the lines even more. Mm-hmm. And so uh, rule number one, I always say this, if you supervise them, you don't friend them. Mm. That's now if they friend you, mm-hmm. that's different. Yeah. But you don't friend them. You don't seek out the people who you who report to you and look for them. Because obviously, if that person has reached out to you and they want to be engaged in that way, mm-hmm. that's fine. But I guarantee at some point, someone's going to post something on their wall that's inappropriate and you're going to mm-hmm. end up having them in the HR office. And when that happens, you don't want to be like, well, you friended me. I didn't want to be your friend, but I felt pressure because you were my boss mm. to friend you. So you don't want yeah. that. No, you don't want that at all. Right. So it really does help if you, uh, so I've always said, if anyone friends me, I'll always accept it, you mm-hmm. know, if, if they work for me. Um, but I don't friend people purposely that they work for me for that reason. Yeah. And it, that's a t- social media makes it a very tough line. It does. But um, but it is kind of fun to see pictures of their kids and other things. It there. is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> and there's a time and place that can be shared, mm-hmm. you know, as you're building fellowship uh, mm-hmm. together. But I nev- that's, you know, I don't necessarily need to see everything about yeah. them. And some <laughs> people don't have a filter when it comes to social media. Yeah. So and that's a whole other thing. Well, that's a whole other topic that we can is. tackle at some point. It, it sure is. <laughs> I think something else that's really uh, great when you're looking as a first-time supervisor and you have to have that conversation is to put it on the table that it's awkward for you mm-hmm. just as much as it may be awkward for them. Yes. Because it's not easy being the supervisor. And I always start all of my all of my reviews with, so let's have a conversation before we begin. Because Mm -hmm. this is new for me. It's the first time I've had to do this with you. I'm a little uncomfortable and awkward with it. And I know that I'm supposed to be the confident one. But the reality Mm -hmm. is you and I haven't had to have this conversation before. Mm -hmm. And I want this to be open dialogue. I want you to be able to ask ask questions. I want to be able to give you answers. 
And so I really want this to be an evaluation, but I also want this to also be an opportunity to grow and learn from each other on how we can make the next year even better. Yeah. And so by setting the standard like that, it, it really kind of helps to break down the fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the reality is there shouldn't be any if you've supervised appropriately to that point and you've shared feedback along the, the journey. There should be no surprises during that during that particular moment. It is so tempting to hold back that feedback until, oh, well, the, the, the evaluation's coming up in a couple months. Like, we can talk about that later. Right. But that gives you, a, I mean, that really lets things snowball bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, it, it becomes a really dangerous thing to just let that feedback slide. It does. So and depending on how you do your evaluation, if you use a, a scale, mm-hmm. like a five-point scale, for example, where one means uh, we have serious issues and we need to put you on a performance improvement plan now, mm-hmm. and five means you're a rock star and you walk over broken glass to be able to mm-hmm. make, you need to define what that looks like, and that needs to be the same throughout the organization. That's huge. Because I think I'm a five all the time, mm-hmm. but you're I my am. supervisor, and you feel like to be able to meet expectations and to do what I've asked you to do, the basic level is a three. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be times where you've went above and beyond, and that's a four. And there's going to be times where you need to improve on this area here. This particular period is two. Um, but that doesn't mean you give fives to everybody because you're Oprah, and you get a five, and you get a five, <laughs> you get a five, you know? Uh, so I think if you're using a scale especially, and it's not a narrative format, mm-hmm. define what that is, where your starting point is, and then define it with the person you're supervising so they know what to expect. And they don't go out there and going, I don't understand. I got a three out of five. Like, how do I yeah. get a three out of five? No, three out of five means you did everything right. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. You did your job. That's good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I've had people in tears because of, you know, all threes. Because, you know, it, they, they were doing a good job. They were not doing a crazy great job. They're doing a good job. And I think I the pitfall that some supervisors get into, and if you're if you're coming into this position and this is new for you as a supervisor, is to remember that you are not evaluating this person's entire life with the organization. Mm-hmm. You're evaluating a very specific period of time, a defined period of time, mm-hmm. and that's all you should be evaluating. It yeah. should not be, well, compared to last year, boy, Mike, mm-hmm. he did really good compared to last year, so we're going to give him more points. No, that's <laughs> not how that works. So you're really just defining that period. And so there what that it translates to is Mike may have done really good job in this area this year and last year he was okay with it and he got a mm-hmm. three and the year before he was working on it and he had a two and that's going to fluctuate mm-hmm. and there's that means that this year I might have a two where last year I had a three because I was so focused on being a five in this area yeah and that doesn't mean that you're bad or good it just shows performance wise what does that look like and it gives you a really fair snapshot and I think that's what it should be all about yeah I think it is good to look back at performance prior performance reviews sometimes too to make sure that you're not giving somebody a five one year and a one the next year and not addressing that jump yes and figuring out why very that happened. good point <laughs> so because you, you could get yourself into a little bit of trouble doing that you know what what's going on behind there is, is really important and gosh you shouldn't be giving somebody a one unless they know they're going to be getting a one <laughs> right right absolutely so first time supervisors marjorie mm-hmm. what tips do you have for our listeners who are perhaps getting into management for the oh, first time man. in this role so i think the big one we've been talking about work-life balance the whole time monitor your work hours you know feel feel empowered to set you know i'm going to work from these hours to these hours um, today I'm going to work these hours and these hours and be okay with setting those those hard lines, you know, or even saying, you know, I'm going to work, you know, no more than nine hour days every day or whatever. 
no more than eight hour days if you're a non-exempt employee, you know, something like that. And what if you're struggling with that? If you're struggling with that, then you need to talk to your supervisor. Okay. <laughs> so. And that doesn't mean that you're mm-hmm. not good at what you're doing. It means you mm-hmm. recognize it and you need help. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know I have several mentors that I use to mm-hmm. guide me in my professional career. I don't. I've got a lot too. Yeah. So, and, and sometimes you need a coach, which is, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You're going to be there. And sometimes you need a mentor that says, okay, I'm going to give you a reality check. And yeah. people ask me often, what's the difference between having a coach and a mentor? Because I have both. Mm-hmm. And uh, a mentor is going to give you a reality check. Its coach is going to be a cheerleader. And you can mm-hmm. do it. I can. You can work through it, you know, and everything's <laughs> going to be great. And uh, sometimes uh, you need both mm-hmm. to have balance. So know who those people are and spend time with those people. And identify with that individual, hey, I'm really hoping I can use you as a mentor during this process or a coach during this process because then they know to give you the feedback unfiltered, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. I think the other thing is that you know, recognize when you're starting to get a little stressed out. Yes. You know, know that you know it is okay to pull back. It's okay to close your office door every now and then if you have to. Mm-hmm. You know, do those things that that de-stress you. I think it's important to do that. Um, I think the other one's learning to delegate. And delegation <laughs> is such a key, and people who really struggle with it usually is because of the fact they've been overwhelmed and they're they're trying to let go and they're not sure how to and there's that they go from micromanagement to completely hands off mm-hmm. and they can't find that balance so that's where a great mentor and a coach oh, can yeah, help you to understand what to delegate you know what to delegate what not to delegate and how to delegate you can't just say well i gave it to so-and-so mm-hmm. and they didn't perform so now i guess i have to tell the board sorry susie said that she didn't get it done the oh, buck okay. still the buck <laughs> still stops here right yeah. uh so then how do you coach susie to make sure and so delegating with t- deadlines and timelines and touching base and uh, setting those things up for the bigger the bigger mm-hmm. pieces and for the smaller things what can you delegate and, and how do you make sure that you don't delegate with your eyes closed yes and, <laughs> and that's that's a whole different challenge that comes with experience and learning and practice yeah we talked about communicating quite a bit I think that's really important the other thing is you know knowing what's important being able to pr- prioritize your time what can you do mm-hmm that nobody else can do. That's key. And that's the stuff that you hold close to you mm-hmm. and you don't delegate. Yep. We yeah. Don't that. And I think the big thing is to celebrate. We talked about that earlier. Recognize people's accomplishments. You know, everybody, no matter, figure out what way is important to you as your staff, as we talked about. Right. But make sure you recognize it. Make sure you say, hey, you know, you did a really good job on this. You know, you did great there. Celebrate as a team when they've got team accomplishments. Those are so important. And so. keep in mind, if you are the supervisor that's at the top of your organization, you're at the executive level, mm-hmm. there's not going to be a lot of times where people are going to come up to you and say, hey, great job, Marjorie, pat on the back. Now, mm-hmm. your board members will do that for you when appropriate. And mm-hmm. uh, there's some staff that are mm-hmm. out there that are phenomenal that will give you that great feedback. Yeah. So you have to make sure that you also celebrate as well. Yes. And uh, we tend, I think, the higher that we climb on the nonprofit ladder, we tend to celebrate ourselves less because it's just what's quote expected of us. Mm-hmm. But there's times where we're like, yes, we made budget on that event. I'm so excited and <laughs> I'm going to reward myself by taking my lunch period and I'm going to watch some YouTube videos about cats that I really <laughs> like, you know, and it may be something silly, but you still have to find ways to reward yourself and to reward your team. Um, but don't forget to make sure that at the end of the day, uh, everyone feels that real nice balance and understands their expectations and what they need to do to be able to achieve their goal. Because the more that they can learn from you, the better you're going to be as a supervisor. So before we wrap up, Natalie, what's your secret tip to supervisory success? Oh, gosh. Never quit learning. Oh, that's good. Never quit learning because I can tell you that even now I'm going through a leadership program and I've been in leadership for years. And 
you could walk into something like that. I just went to a two-day retreat, and part of me wanted to like fast forward through the actual, <laughs> and it was it was a live retreat, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking, if I could just fast forward this to the good parts, <laughs> uh, every part is a good part. So never never quit learning. Always continue to grow. Um, make a point to put away the technology and be present, mm-hmm. and you can learn a lot within that, and you can learn a lot about yourself and. Uh, there's always something to learn. I want to learn more about Instagram. That's my new thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've learned uh, a lot about different technology, but I'm fascinated by the concept. I understand how to uh, actually uh, do some things with it. And then Snapchat. I have just started Snapchatting. Nice. I, I think I'm doing it wrong. Uh, but so far, it's with my, like, nine-year-old niece. And so she hasn't corrected me, which is nice. <laughs> That's good. Um, eventually, you'll be able to work up to your, your teenage children. I'm working on it, right. <laughs> so I'm getting there. But it's it's something that I want to learn because I just think that there's so much to that uh, with mm-hmm. regards to nonprofits and integrating with that particular group. What about you? What's, what's, what's some of your big secret tips? I think my big one is actually seeking out FaceTime with your staff, whether one-on-one or with the group. You're really good at that. Yeah. I've noticed that just yeah. from observing you. Yeah, your staff well, really they, like talking to you. Yeah, they, they we, we have a good time together. I think that, that that makes a big difference. And it makes it easier to motivate them because I know them better. Um, it also makes it easier to have those crucial conversations because I, I know that at the end of the day, they know that I like and respect them. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to worry about them you know, taking something as a, you know, she's always out to get me Mm. because they know that I'm not out to get them. I want to see them succeed. And they, they know that and they get that from me on a daily basis. So I think that's, um, that's a really important thing Mm -hmm. that I've kind of found. I found that I do not supervise employees that I cannot get along with well. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who are good at that. I'm not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Now I know some of our listeners work in an environment that's for a nonprofit, but perhaps they can't get that FaceTime with their Mm -hmm. supervisor, with their staff, because they're working from home or they're working from a remote office. Any advice on how to get around that factor or what they can do to compensate for that? I think uh, something great that, you know, you can do is set a weekly meeting, Mm -hmm. you know, over the phone or over Skype or FaceTime or something like that. Um, Even the phone, I mean, use the phone. It's great. Um, just to get that constant, you know, that keep that door open for those pop-up conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, see if we can find ways to, you know, Skype you into a uh, conference or to a, you know, like the weekly staff meeting, mm-hmm. you know. I think it's really easy for a person that's far, far away to get forgotten about really quickly. Right. <laughs> and I think that that's, you know, something that for nonprofits, it becomes easier if we can find a way to make things work smarter and faster mm-hmm. and more fiscally responsible. But then how do we keep those external people motivated? So don't forget about those. Their their needs are going to be very different. Oh, and, very different. And make sure they, if you're one of those people that's out there, reach out. Mm-hmm. Make sure your supervisor knows, hey, I feel like I'm on an island out here and yeah. I need more ways. Uh, mm-hmm. Help to help them to identify that you're struggling with the connection. I yeah. think that'll work out well in the long run. Instant messaging apps might also be a good option. So you've got that constant communication throughout the day. Very nice. So, I like it. Possibility. Uh, and, and cat videos. And ca- uh, Yeah, I mean, everybody likes cat videos. <laughs> Even people who don't like cats like cat videos. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm on cat videos today, but I, know. I am. You but know what you were doing in the office before uh, you got here. <laughs> and the secret's out. That, that sounds like enough for our show today. I think so. So <laughs> thank you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. We record at the studios of Minds Eye Radio, and it's produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And and me, Natalie Jablonski. Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes, Stitcher, your favorite app, whatever you're using, and subscribe to us. Leave us some feedback so others can find us. You can find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. Thank you for listening. And remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.